Welcome to Platform Church Rested Life Conversations. Platform is a young, dynamic, multidimensional church. We offer inspirational, practical, and relevant teaching that is applicable for your daily living. At Platform, our teaching is relevant to people of all ages, race, color, nationality, and of different socioeconomic backgrounds. At Platform Church, we believe that the rested life is a reality for us. For more information, visit platformchurch.co.za. Enjoy the rested life conversations. Now, here is your host, Darlington Steve. I just want to encourage somebody. I don't know who you are under the sound of my voice. I think yesterday that really hit me. It hits me in the way that um, my wife and I were trying to set up something that we're doing. And um, so for strange reason, I tried everything possible. All my brains that I know what to put together, it was just not coming forth. And I was wondering what the hell is happening. And so all of a sudden, the last time I said, okay, if I let me just try this, if it doesn't work again, I'm okay, I'm done, I'm not going to stress myself. But for strange reason, that moment that I wanted to do the last time, somewhere in my mind, I was already tired. I was so tired because I did it before it worked, but all of a sudden now, it began to look as if it is very, what's God, it's becoming stubborn. And so all of a sudden, I just said to myself, okay, fine, ah, let me just pack it and go. But I hear something in my spirit say, give it one more try. And this time, look properly before give it one more try. And so I look at all the gadget in front of me, look at all the system, and I was thinking, but I've done all I know. Like, what the hell is going on here? And all of a sudden, I just made peace. I said, okay, fine. Let me just push one more time. And in my pushing one more time, I just packed the whole stuff, came back, came into the studio, carried some few stuff, went down there, and all of a sudden, and guess what? The moment I tried it out one more time, that very particular stuff that I've been fighting. You don't want to see how they came. You would think as if I'm a mechanic, literally, because there were a lot of cables fly left, right, and center in the house. But what am I trying to say to you this morning? My wife been witness with this yesterday. And after we finished, I sat down and I was tired. But in my tiredness, there is a bit of a joy on my inside that guarantees me knowing too well that at least I have conquered this very particular mountain. And so based on that this morning, by the time I was praying, praying and preparing for the service this morning, the Holy Spirit was saying to me, what you encountered yesterday, there are a lot of people also literally that are tired. They don't even have the strength for them to go again one more time. But I want, I pushed you for you to go one more time because in that one more try, there is a breakthrough that is ahead of you. In that one more try, God is about to open possibility. And so this morning, I came to meet you all this morning. Who is saying, Pastor, I'm tired. You don't understand. I've tried everything possible for me to be able to pull this off. But the more I try, the more it looks as if the devil has decided to build an airport in my life and they have landed there. And so if you are one of that person this morning, I'm here to tell you today, give it again one more try. I know it may look as if it is hard. I know it may look as if you've tried everything possible. Remember something. This month... It's a month of supernatural surprises. And so because of that, just that one more try. And I so I came this morning for somebody under the sound of my voice. I want you to use this very particular fit of testimony of empowerment that I've given you this morning, using myself as a, as a what's called as a case study. I want you to open your mouth as you're about to go into the word of God and say, Lord, the ability for me to go again one more try. 
the ability for me to go again one more time strengthen me this morning strengthen me this morning open your mouth and begin to pray lord strengthen me this morning i have done all i can do from january now it is already september i have thought of everything i have gone on the marketing strategy i have visited friends i have consulted people some people are even trying to shortcut my stand of righteousness with you but lord i am here again this morning lord i choose to go one more try if my pastor can pull one more try and he get the result lord one more try again I come for a one more try. I come for a one more try. Somebody open your mouth this morning and begin to pray. So Lord, one more try, one more try. And as you are praying the one more try, I trust the God of the rested life. He is going to give you solution. He's going to give you insight. He's going to open your eyes to see opportunities. He's going to clear the narratives. He's going to make the way for you. Even in the place where they say there is no help, help will show up from that side. Open your mouth this morning and say, Lord, empower me for one more try. Empower me for one more try. For some of you this morning, after the service is over, you are going to send the CV again. After the service is over, you are going to meet the boss for your employment. After the service is over, you are going to meet your, your, your HR and tell them, turn my temporary to permanent employment. One more try. One more try. Somebody pray this morning. Rafana Palikatoshiata. Habina Koparanaze Ikwanaze Pilash. Habina Kabaratoshida. Lord, one more try this morning. One more try. One more try. Lord, empower me for the one more try. Empower me for the one more try. I know that it has been hard, but I'm choosing to go again one more try. I know that failure is not final. I'm choosing to go again one more try. I know that the boss says I will never be promoted, but I'm still going to see him. Tomorrow by this time, I'm in his office discussing my promotion letter. One more try. One more try. Avrinatos Ifratapaliada. For some of you this morning, as we're about to get into the service, I want you to place a demand and say, Father, speak to me. Lord, speak to me. Speak to me. Speak to me. Speak to me, Lord. Lord, open the eyes of my understanding to see her. Because as I'm about to go one more try, open my eyes to see her. Show me the things from the scripture this morning that I can engage, that can guarantee me the solution. Show me what I need to do. You are a God that unveil your mystery to your sons and your daughters. Lord, I have come again this morning in faith. Speak to me. In the area of my finances, speak to me. In the area of my marriage, speak to me. In the area of my career, speak to me. In the area of my children, speak to me. Lord, speak to me. Speak to me, Lord, this morning. Heavenly Father, this morning we thank you because indeed you are God of the rested life. We appreciate you, Father, because we know that we are gathered again, scattered across the nations of the earth for us to just sit and fellowship again at your vineyard. Lord, we say thank you. Lord, we understand that the church is the place where your manifold wisdom is being established. And so, Father, we are gathered again this morning. We ask and we say, Father, meet us at the very point of our needs. Lord, the areas of our life where the enemy has been playing us like a table tennis, the areas of our life where the enemy has been using us to dock like a basketball. Lord, we declare that after this service, this morning, we will know what to do in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I bring myself before you to say, speak through me. 
let the people do not hear the voice of darlington but let them hear the voice of christ through me and father i declare that anyone that is facing any challenges this morning that at the end of the service in this month of supernatural surprises you will experience god in that area in the name of jesus thank you father because we know that this is done in jesus mighty name we pray and god's people say amen family let's go for me one more time to see you all this morning and without wasting much of our time we want to go straight into the word of god and also just for us to be able to understand what god has for us this very particular season remember that this month has been tag our month of supernatural surprises i've been receiving most of your what's called most of your messages as to what god is doing but i know too well that for many of us i include myself in that many of us that before this year comes to an end the year has been tag our year of overflow that I will experience overflow in the name of Jesus. I declare upon your life that that area that you want to see overflow, that you will begin to see the overflow show up for you in the name of Jesus. With that being said, this very particular morning, straight into the business of today. Um, I'm going to be talking, the title of my message is called Operational Systems in Assessing the Supernatural. Operational Systems in Assessing the Supernatural. Operational Systems in accessing the supernatural. By the time I woke up this very particular morning, I was just praying and trusting God. I had two messages that I needed to preach. And the Holy Spirit was saying to me, son, go back to the one I want you to preach. But for me, I think I kind of prefer the other one I want to preach. But by the time I was now walking on the message and also just unveiling my eyes and say, Holy Spirit, speak through me. I begin to see that sometimes the reason why many of us are not living the supernatural life, because hear me, Every born again child of God is born into the supernatural life. Because I want you to first of all get that one as your basic template. It's a foundational message. Every born again child of God, we are born into the supernatural life. Which means every day of your life, you're supposed to be experiencing supernatural. So if that portal is available and we are not currently experiencing, what are the things that we need to do that guarantees that very particular access? Because the truth of it in this kingdom, it is based to you, number one, according to your faith, and number two, according to the instructions you are willing to abide with. It's, it's as simple as that. Everything has been made available, but number one, your faith must be able to capture it. And number two, your ability for you to engage covenant instructions, which guarantees you manifesting the kingdom secret. I pray for somebody this morning, under the sound of my voice, that as we begin to look at this operational system, in assessing the supernatural, you will walk in that reality in the name of Jesus. Hear me, I want you to understand this. You have the supernatural working already on the inside of you. You just need, like this morning service is called Activation Sunday. You just need to find a way to activate it. And I know too well that by the time we are going to be looking at the 10 point, and the three point is going to be the God factor, but the remaining seven points, oh my dear, even myself, by the time I was preparing for the message, for the past two weeks, it was just a blessing to me. By the time, sometimes, by the time I even sit myself, I think that is one of the points I like so much. I will go back and look. I hope I'm not missing something here. And the moment I cracked it, I just find God's favor and I just find that very particular piece. I pray for somebody this morning that as long as this 10-point plan will be put on the table, you will walk your own supernatural surprises in the name of Jesus. Quickly, what is our core text? I'm going to be focusing on one core text for this morning. Then every other subtext will follow. First King chapter 18. First King chapter 18 is going to be a very long read, but I want you to be patient with me. First King chapter 18 from verse 20 to verse 38. 
First King chapter 18 from verse 20 to verse 38. For many of us who know this very particular story, we understand the story was a story where Elijah caught fire from heaven. Uh, but as much as Elijah caught fire from heaven, there are some certain things that the Lord is showing me that for some of you, literally, you've not heard it before. Even myself, I know that by God's grace, I'm listening to mentors and fathers of faith, but I've never seen it the way the Holy Spirit revealed it to me this very particular season. And so please, I beg you, open your mind to receive this morning. Open your heart and say, Lord, that which I need to be able to engage that guarantees my own supernatural surprises. Let that be my portion in the name of Jesus. With that being said this morning, let's look at our test. First King chapter 18. It's a long read. First King 18, 20 to 38. The Bible says here concerning Elijah. It says, so Ahab sent forth for all his children and gathered the prophet together at Mount Carmel. Is it not interesting that these very particular guys, they found themselves on a particular mountain? At this very particular mountain, this is a mountain where porters are about to change. But as some of you, your mountain is literally mountain of entertainment, mountain of business, mountain of art and culture, mountain of whatever mountains you find yourself. And so for this guy, I mean, what's called Elijah and Ahab, they find themselves at Mount Carmel. Now, let's continue. The Bible now says, and Elijah came to all the people and says, how long will you be flattered between two opinions? If the God, if the Lord is your God, follow him. And if yours is a Baal, follow him. He said, but the people answered him not a word. You know, this very particular scripture, it touches my heart. He says, how long will you be, will you be mesmerizing yourself between two opinions? Let's bring it down to our days, especially where we are currently now in South Africa. How long will you be, you will be flirting around? One minute you are in church, the next minute you are consulting your ancestors. One minute you are in church, the next minute you are going to throw bones. How long will you be consulting or flattering between two opinions? One minute you are saying that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The next minute you are looking, this circumstance is going to kill me. How long will you be living that life? And these are some of the things that are holding us bound from us experiencing the supernatural that God has given us. How long will you be? The question you need to ask yourself before we begin to go deep down into this scripture. How long will you be flattering yourself? We currently live in a times where people are dividing between two opinions. Either they serve God or they serve mammon. Some of them are serving system of this world. For many of the people, you serve, you know it. Let me not go too far. You can see how major, and the devil is very strategic. He makes sure that he goes into the celebrities and begin to turn them for them to yield to the ancestral call. And because why he knows if he can capture that people, because your faith is not strong, you will begin to find yourself mesmerizing and torn between two opinions. He says, yeah, Elijah was asking the question. And I'm coming also as your prophet this morning, asking you the same question. How long are you going to be toiling between two opinions? If you want to serve God, serve God. If you want to serve the devil, serve the, at least serve the devil very well. So that by the time you finish your race and you get to hellfire, the guy can know that you do a good job with him. But if you know you want to serve God, serve God. Serve God. Because why? Revelation 3, 14 to, 15, 15 to 17. You don't need to go there. I want you to stay on the scripture. Revelation 3, 14 to 17. The Bible makes us to understand that God himself was talking. He says, I know your deed. He says that you are neither hot nor cold. He says, I wish you are one. At least choose one. This is your God talking. He said, I wish you are one. He said, but because you are lukewarm, which means you are not hot, you are not cold, you are just standing in between. You know, those Christians for me, I'm afraid of those Christians. When you ask them about God, they talk. When you ask them about tradition, they tell you. 
And now you begin to find mixologies currently now within the body of Christ. No wonder you see all the rotten stomach kind of preaching people are coming up with. You, you hear some certain message, you begin to have rotten stomach. You go to church for you to be healed, to be saved, to be, to be sanctified, to find yourself in God. You finish from there, you wonder, I took some devil. Because why? They are contemplating between two opinions. Fluctuating. One minute they tell you, you know, you can do, you can, you can, Jesus Christ is Lord, this is Africa. They, they kind of find a way of trying to use this, ha, this ancestral nonsense that is currently going on. Like, no, it's not too wrong. After all, this ancestor that your forefathers, no, somebody was asked me before, that no, do you believe on African traditional religion? I said, I don't. I ended there. Forget it. You're happening. You say, why? I said, God, I said, my grandfather, he has. His bone is not even in the grave anymore. That's how he has melted. So you can't tell me that somebody that is dead will now be talking about how, how is that possible? It ain't happening in my life. But what am I trying to say? Just like Elijah asked, Elijah asked a question, how long will you toil? God give us an answer that if you continue that way in toiling between two opinions, he says, I will spit you out. Imagine God spit you out. Who will beg him for him to take you back? Indirectly, as far as his covenant practice and his covenant agenda for planet Earth is concerned, you have just written yourself out of that plan by walking within two opinions. Stay with God, he says, or stay with the devil. At least choose one, not to stay in between. I pray for somebody this morning, the sound of my voice, that that factor that is making you to contemplate between two opinions, that devil be dead in your life in the name of Jesus. And I pray for somebody this morning. I don't know who you are, but I feel that pressure right now in my spirit. You have been told by your family members. You have been told by your friends and your colleagues, or maybe somebody met you on the way and tell you that you have an ancestral caller. I stand as a prophet this morning. I terminate that voice out of your life in the name of Jesus. For some of you, maybe if you're a family member that is saying that lie to you, I declare this morning one more time that that devil coming in the form of a familiar spirit to torment you, I command that devil out of your life in the name of Jesus. You are set free this morning. You are delivered this morning. That yoke between two opinions, it is terminated in your life in the name of Jesus. And for those of you who are currently struggling with that, Maybe somebody, you know somebody and you, you love the person so much. And you are saying, prophet, can I send my friend, my sister, my whoever? Please and please, I encourage you. You can inbox them. Tell them that there is a man of God that can help you. Hear me? That thing is demonic. I stand on this platform to say so. It is demonic. It is not of God. It is not of God. And hear me? You can be delivered. God has routed that possibility around my office as a prophet. You can be delivered from that. And I pray that you were one of those that God will use this end time to deliver people from the shackles of the devil in the name of Jesus. With that being said, let's continue our scripture this morning. Remember, we are reading 1 Kings chapter 18. I'm now on verse 22. The Bible then says, it said, then Elijah said to the people, he says, I alone am left as a prophet of the Lord, but bow prophet of 400, it says, and 50 men you are. He said, therefore, let them give us two bows. He said, let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it, and I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, and I also put no fire. Verse 24, the Bible says, then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of my Lord. Oh, man, somebody's about to call on the name of their God this morning. <laughs> uh, he says, and the God who answers by fire, he says, yeah, he shall be my God. 
He says, so all the people answered and says, you have spoken well. 25. Now Elijah said to the prophet of Baal, choose one bull for yourself and prepare it first. He said, for you have many. He said, for you guys are many because of, of course there are 450. So you guys are many. Choose one for yourself and also do what you need to do. He says, and call on the name of your God and put no fire underneath. He says, so they took one of the bulls which was given them and they prepared it. Mark the word, they prepared. Uh, because we are going somewhere now. Say, and they prepared it. He says, and call on the name of the Baal from the morning to the noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. Indirectly, O ancestor, hear us. He says, but there was no voice. No one answers. He said, then they leaped over the altar which they had made. He says, and so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and saying, cry aloud, indirectly, push for more. He said, for he is God. Either he is meditating or he is busy or he is in a far journey, or perhaps he's sleeping, and he must be awakened. He says, so they cried aloud and caught themselves, as was their custom, with knives and with lance, until the blood begins to gush out of their body. 29. He says, and when the midday was passed, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. He says, but there was no voice, no answer, no one paid attention. Verse 30. Somebody is about to show up this morning. The Bible now says in verse 30, then Elijah said to all the people, ah, you know, this is where I feel like you should remove that Elijah name and put your name there. Then Darlington said to all the people, come near me so that all that came to him, he says, and he prepared the altar of the Lord that was broken down. He says, and Elijah took 12 stones according to the numbers of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. He said, to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, Israel shall be your name. He said, then with the stone, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made trenches around the altar large enough to hold the two seas of seed. He says, and he put wood in order, cut the bulls in pieces, and laid the wood and said, fill the water pots with water. He says, and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. Then he said again, do it the second time. They did it the second time, and they said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time, 35. He says, so the water round, water run all around the altar. And he also filled with the trenches with the water. And it came to pass. At the time of the offerings of the evening sacrifice, he says um, that, that Elijah the prophet came and said, Lord, he says, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant. He says, and I have done all these things that you have said in your word. Mark that word. I have done all these things that you have said in your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that the people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned the heart back to you again. And the Bible says, then the fire fell down and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the waters and also that was in the trenches. With that being said this morning, what must I do to compel the supernatural? Point number one quickly, repair your altar. Repair your altar. My dear, when we talk about the concept of repairing the altar, we're not talking about the concept of you giving your life to Christ. Because for many of us who are currently in this service, I promise you, majority of you, you've one time or the other confessed Jesus Christ as a Lord and a personal Savior. The Bible makes us to understand concerning Abraham, I mean concerning Elijah, that when Elijah showed up as he was about to make these very particular moves, 
The Bible says he called the people together to himself and he repaired the altar. Because why? The altar was still existing, but the altar was already broken. He says here in verse 30, because we are going to be focusing on this very particular chapter. He says in verse 30, he said, Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people come near to him and he repaired the altar that was broken. Which means the altar existed, but the altar was broken. The altar was still there, but the altar was broken. The prayer life is still there, but we can't find you praying. The fasting life, like we do in Platform Church, from the first one, the third of every new month, you hear the fasting, but for your, your ability for you to, to engage the or that very particular place of fasting and prayer with passion, that place has been broken. The Bible says, and Elijah said to them, he said, come, let's repair the altar that has been broken. My question to you this morning, as we begin to go into deep looking at this very particular point, what are the altars in your life that has been broken? That you need to repair. For some of you, your love life relationship with the Father. You need to repair that. For some of you, your ability for you to take back the kingdom of God serious. Like Elijah said to the people, how long will you be toiling between two mountains? Are you not tired? Yet in the morning you come to church, Jesus is Lord. But at evening you find yourself at Vilakazi Street going to throw bones. Because you tell yourself that you know those ones are very quick. But you forget to understand that as quick as the prosperity look like, it is also the same way as quick that your soul begins to perish. How long will you? Number one, your repairing of your altar. Proverbs chapter 23 verse 26. Proverbs 23 verse 26. We are going to be jetting down in a few minutes, about 10 points. I'm just on my number one now. Proverbs 23 26. He says, my son, give me your heart. He said, let your eyes delight in my ways. My son, give me your heart. My daughter, give me your heart. Before you give God your money, because some of us think that it's all about the money God is interested. I hear you as good as that. Let me tell you as a prophet. Number one is the fact that God is interested in your heart above your money. My son, give me your heart. Give me your heart. There are some of you, you are even in service this morning, but your heart is currently now in Limpopo, thinking all manner of things. My son, give me your heart. For some of you, you are already looking, when will 11 o'clock come so that I just go, that is this thing I want to do. My son, he says here, yeah, give me your heart. When we talk about heart, let's look at quickly, what kind of heart are we talking about? Number one, your heart of genuine repentance. Your heart of genuine repentance. You want to repair your altar? You need to go back and begin to ask yourself, Lord, where are the ways that I have cracked the edge that the serpent has come in and bite? Because many of us, the serpent, you have broken the edge and the serpent is currently sitting at your altar. Guess what? The altar was broken and yet there were sacrifices to perform on that altar. There are many of us who are busy performing sacrifice on an altar that is broken and yet you are wondering why you're not getting results. It's not because the supernatural life is not available for you. It's because the altar that needs to carry that sacrifice, the sacrifice of prayers, the sacrifice of fasting, the sacrifice of giving to your church or probably seeding to whatever, all that very good. But the altar, is it good? The altar that holds that sacrifice, is it good? What is your, your genuine heart of repentance? Your heart of repentance. Your heart of repentance. Acts chapter 3 verse 19. Still on 1A at 319. He said, repent. He says, and turn to God. 
He says, so that your sins may be wiped out. He says that the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. That is a time of repression. See, we are living in the days. Let me say this to you all. We are living in the days where indeed, what's called Genesis, no, not Genesis, Isaiah chapter 60, verse 2. Isaiah 60, verse 2 is currently finding expression in these days. We are gross darkness, the people. We are living in a dark days. It will take a heart of genuine, constant repentance and say, Lord, anything that I have captured, for you to know how I am so conscious of repentance, when I watch movies, I do watch movies, don't get it twisted. I watch movies and I see some certain nonsense that was in that movie. Immediately I begin to purge my mind. Lord, anything that I've captured from that movie that will want to find expression in my marriage, find expression in my ministry, find expression in my work, immediately I begin to cast that very particular thing. Because why? Everything is speaking to us. Everything. You wake up one morning before you know, as, as for those of you using your phone right now, before you finish the service, about five notifications will pop on that very particular phone of yours. Everything is speaking. He says, my son, give me your heart. My son, give me your heart. Number one B, we're talking about the heart. Number one B, the heart for worship. The heart for worship. The heart for worship. The heart for worship. John chapter 4 verse 24. John chapter 4 verse 24. He says, God is spirit and those who worship him are worshiping in spirit. And in truth, your heart for worship. When you hear that is Sunday service, are you looking and say, hey, man, that's another time again. I'm going to sit at the church. Or maybe you hear it's Thursday. Okay, for Thursday now, we've passed Thursday at this very particular moment. But all of a sudden, what's your heart of worship? In fact, you're supposed to be living a life of worship 24-7. Because your church at this moment now, because of we're believing God to start an on-site church, your church at this moment is only doing Sunday service. So which means from today Sunday, the next time I'm seeing you is on Sunday again. And you think that the enemy will give you time for you to go to just go on a cruise drive to the following Sunday? Never. Your heart for worship. Worship is the only thing that insists that God dominates in your life 24-7. Your place where you keep opening as you open. You know, there are some of you. The way you know some of these foreign dances and these funny songs, it is quite shocking that if they tell you, give us three songs in your mouth. Any song, there are some of you, I bet you three songs, two will be circular. And yet you are wondering. Because you forget to understand, he said, you shall eat the fruit of your lips. He said, and of the increase of your word, he said, thou shalt be filled. All of a sudden you are doing all the jika, my baby, jika. But the only time you remember that there is a song called Lion of Judah is when you come to church and your pastor played that very particular music. And yet you want to experience the supernatural life? It ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. You must understand and also begin to repair your altar for worship. Point number three, remember we are doing one three now, which means your heart for the interest of God's kingdom. Your heart for the interest. You know, when, as God says in that scripture we've just read in Proverbs, where he says, my son, give me your heart. These are the three things he's looking for. Your heart of genuine repentance, your heart of worship, and your heart for the interest of his kingdom. When we talk about the interest of his kingdom, we're talking about the, your ability for you to pray for the church. You see, let me tell you, if there is one time you need to pray for the church of South Africa, hear me, this is the season. I beg you, I beg you. Maybe because I'm now part of the fivefold, and so I hear and I see some certain demonic step that is even being taken by some of us who call ourselves pastor. I know I'm currently broadcasting on social media platform. That's okay. There are some demonic steps that some of us who call ourselves pastors, that, are you wonder, are you sure you were born again? Your born again cannot be from God. Cannot be. But guess what? 
The only thing that keeps me encouraged is the fact that I understand that the Bible says that the wolf will come out from among us, the sheep. And so when I see the wolves, I am very quick to unfriend you, unfollow you, run away from you. I don't care. I will block you as if I'm, as if I'm doing a roadblock. Those border they put in Zimbabwe and South Africa, I will block you that way. That's how I block you. You need to take a heart for the interest of God's kingdom. The interest of God's kingdom. I don't want to mention a name. My wife and I was with one mother of, what's called the mother of faith of this very particular nation. And she was sitting down talking to us. Hey, you have no clue the kind of, what you call order that the government have passed against the church. That the church cannot use some certain properties anymore. And you are sitting there just thinking that it's only you. They know that if they can close the door of the church, that your spiritual life will be a problem. Let's be honest, even online service we do. I know I'm a professional in online service. As much as I like that, I have seen the pain also it causes in the life of people. So the government know that as long as they are online and not on site, the power of God cannot be that visible because the moment they are online, things will pop out that they will forget. There are some of you right now, as I'm talking, possibility that you are in the toilet listening to the message. Chances are very high. Or some of you, you just hang the phone somewhere, you are lying down and hearing my voice and you're like, I'll just be hearing the pastor preaching. Your heart for the interest of the kingdom of God. If I ask you a question, when last have you tell somebody Jesus is Lord? When last have you win soul to Christ? When last have you labored with God? Your heart for God. Your heart for his interest of his kingdom. How do I know? He says in the book of Matthew 6, 33. He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. See, you are the one who is asking for Bentley or your post Kayan Coupe. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. All, all the things that you are shouting, having sleepless night, it will come as an addition. But guess what? Many of us are not pursuing the interest of the kingdom. We are pursuing what God called free of charge for us. That's what we're focusing on as a major. And we are, what you call, focusing on the minor and minoring on the major. That's how many of us as believers are doing. And yet you want to compare the supernatural. Final scripture I'm going to read on this place for me to go to my point number two. Haggai chapter one from verse four to eight. Haggai one, four to eight. It said, is it not... Is it time for you yourself to dwell in a, what's called, in a paneled house? He says, and the temple lies in ruin. Indirectly, my kingdom is wasting. Government are bringing regulations that will make even your churches currently now they may, as big as we are. We may not be able to have service again. And guess what? It has nothing to do with COVID. It has everything to do with the agenda of the kingdom of hell over this nation, South Africa. Over, let me say this prophetically. South Africa and my country, Nigeria, they are, I'm not saying if you are from any other country, I'm not saying your country is not included. But part of the pioneers and the frontliners, as far as hosting God in Africa, these two countries are responsible for that at this time. But guess what? One of them is lacking. One of them is lacking. You can pray yourself. God will show you. I don't want to say one of them is currently lacking. And the way I cried this morning by the time I was praying, God, I didn't know how I spent all of my time seeking God. Father, have mercy upon us as a nation. Have mercy. Lord, the, the, the pressure sometimes will make us go and cut corners. Have mercy. Forgive us. For, it's so painful to the point that the church cannot even be able to bring solution to the governmental problems. And you wonder why they are closing our door? There are some of you after the service is over. If your passion, if you know that God has called you as a prayer warrior, go back on your altar and repair that place. Remember point number one. Repair your altar. Go back there and begin to pray. 
Lord, concerning every church in South Africa. Lord, I may not know how to preach the gospel, but I know how to put my needle on the ground and stay there like Anna the prophetess until Jesus manifests. Not everybody can preach, yes, but you can pray the preachers to come. How do I know? The Bible says, and God said to them, I mean, Jesus said to people, he said, pray for the harvest is plenty and the laborers is few. He said, pray that God may send in more harvesters. So if your job is to pray for harvesters, do that with excellence and dignity. Because hear me, to pull supernatural possibility, you must have these three things. Number one, the heart of genuine repentance. Number two, a heart of unending, unbending worship to God. Number three, their heart for kingdom interest. Kingdom interest. For instance, now, as your church, we're all believing God for, for a place, for us to have our venue. Let me be honest. How many of you has even dialed the number and said, Prophet, how is it going? Have we found a place? What are the challenges? Um, is, is, is it? Because I'm trusting God for all of you to be a billionaire. How much do we need for us to secure the place? The heart for the interest of God's kingdom. The interest of God's kingdom. I pray that for some of you this morning and for everyone of you who is going to engage on this point, number one, God himself will empower you to repair your altar in the name of Jesus. Point number two. Let's look at point number two. Remember point number one, repair your altar. Point number two, engage on covenant practices. Engage on covenant practices. My dear, if you will all, if you will live an endless life of supernatural surprises and supernatural manifestation, it has to be backed by God's covenant by himself. If you are not engaging on covenant practices or the promises of God, there is no way. You can't come with your own promises and decide to force God to take that one. You, it can't happen that way. It can't happen that way. Psalm chapter 89 verse 34 to 37. Psalm 89 verse 34 to 37 engaging on covenant practices. The Bible here says in Psalm 89 verse 34, it says, my covenant will I not break. It says, nor utter the things that has gone out of my lips. God himself is saying, my covenant will I not break. As long as it is God's covenant, he's telling you that I can't break that part. But if you bring your own covenant, I am not guaranteed to stand and back that one. Because I am the one who will do the supernatural for you. That becomes a surprise. But if you are not going to come with, I mean, come in terms with my covenant, forget the part of engaging on supernatural surprises. He says, my covenant will I not break. Not your opinion, not your feelings, not your thinking, not your pseudo messages that you preach. My covenant will I not break. My covenant will I not break. He says, once have I sworn by my, holy, by my holiness. He says that I will not lie unto David. He says his seed shall reign forever in his throne as the sun before me. He says, and it shall be established forever as the moon and faithful witness in heaven. But the thing there, for David, the David there, that establishment of the throne, Jesus was that. But guess what? That covenant sealed up till Jesus manifested. And when Jesus showed up, he now pushed the covenant to a new level. Well, we are now seated with him in every places. But guess what? It's still for as long as we are still here on planet Earth, his covenant is still roaming around our life. But the only way for you to pick the covenant, you must engage on covenant practices. You must engage on covenant practices. My question to you this morning, what are the covenant practices have you located in the scripture? 
And for some of you, God actually gave you a clear-cut instructions. And you're like, ah, forget it. God, you see, maybe it's my mind that is telling me. No, my mind, this mind of me, this mind sometimes is just like going, just like going too far. And because you know your mind, like telling you, you now begin to hate your Bible. <laughs> because the moment you open your Bible, you will hear God speak. And the kind of voice you want to get God to speak, you're not hearing that kind one. The one you don't want to hear, that's the one that you're like, ah, no, this Bible is lying. Let me go and buy NIV. Because King James, maybe it's because it's in his thou shall not. Let me go and buy NIV. So some of you is NLT. My dear, hear me. His covenant, he says, I will not break. What covenant are you standing on? What covenant are you standing on as regarding your family, your career, your business, your, your, your whatever that you are trusting God for? What is the covenant that you have bumped into? And you say, this is my slingshot and I'm going to stay with this until I see the manifestation. Because why? As long as it is God covenant, he says he cannot break it. So because of that, the staying power, what covenant have you located? Think on that. Point number three. Point number three. What must I do that guarantees me operating supernatural assets? Point number three. Build your altars around revelation. Build your altars on a revelation. You know, that's why I said to you guys, you'll be patient with me with this very particular service this morning. One of the things that I've seen a lot of people in the church, we don't I'm trying for me to, to, to find a better way to say it. We don't build our work with God based on the revelation that we have encountered of God. We build our revelation of God based on the man that God sent to our lives. I'll repeat it again. We don't build our altar based on our revelation of who God is. We build our altar based on the information or based on the teachings of what the servants of God are saying. And hear me, every man of God that you see us, including me sitting here, we have our own covenant, what's called, encounters with God that we stay on. We do. But my question with you this morning, remember that you are the one who is praying at home. What, what revelation is backing your prayer life? What revelation is backing you? Because if there is a revelation that is backing you, two o'clock and not meet you at the bed, you wake up and pray. For some of you, 5 a.m., it should not meet your back on the bed. You are up because why? The reason why is because you have captured the revelation that sponsors that very particular altars. Many of us are struggling with our altars. One, because our altars is not backed by revelation. The Bible says in the book of Galatians chapter 2 verse 2. Galatians 2 verse 2. It says, and I went up by revelation. I went up by revelation. Paul the apostle was telling the church of the Galatians that my advancement that you see currently now, it is based on revelation. I know that, Jesus, guess what? Paul did not see Jesus, but he has a revelation of who Christ is. And this is me, I keep saying to you, I will never preach Darlington, Steve, never. Because I did not die for you, it's not my business. My business is to paint Christ like a PR marketing manager and sell this product called Christ that at the end of my selling, when you use the product called Christ, you can guarantee that this thing is eternal life. That's my job. I'm a PR marketing agent. That's what God has called me to do. So my job is to sell the product, to make sure that when you hold this product and you stay in your house, you can be able to use this product, knowing too well that heaven backs it, not Darlington. Because if I'm the one selling myself, I will, I will need me to constantly fuel that part. What revelation are you building your altars on?
What revelation are you building your altars on? What revelation are you building your altars on? He says, I, I went up by revelation. Which means by the time you encounter revelation, your ability for you to go up, chances are very high. In fact, it is 99.9% that you can go up on the platform of revelation. You want to ask what is revelation? Ha! Ah, it's a mixture of insight and understanding. Insight. Your eyes popped open. Revelation is a mixture of insight and understanding. Insight. Well, you see... I don't want to say too many stuff, but there are stuff my wife and I currently now we're trying to push, including with the work of God, the ministry. The level of insight that backs our life, it is so caught to the point that we are not confused. Wake us to AM and to ask, what is the thing? We will tell you point blank. Because why? We have bumped insight and we understand why that has to happen. Why it needs to work. Why we need to be at the mountains of influence. We are not just looking for us to be a celebrity. There is a reason why that celebrity status must be available. Because we have insight and understanding. And based on that, we build our altar around revelation. The building of your altars around revelation. Let's look at two examples of people quickly before we begin to go to our point number four. Number one, his name is called Abraham. I want to show you from Abraham. I just like Abraham for me because for me, I call him a days of innocent. And yet he pulled God the way he pulled God. Abraham and Noah, those two guys are my friends. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 12, verse 7 to 8. Genesis 12, 7 to 8. It said, then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said unto him, to your this mark, mark. I want you to pay attention here. Please pay attention because we are in the Bible school this morning. It says, then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. He says, and there he built an altar to the Lord who appeared to him. To mark the statement, to God spoke to him, to your descendants, I will give this land. And based on that, he built an altar around that very particular revelation he got from God. So he wasn't just built, it was not just, you know, he's, he's a customer. Many of us, we, we've run Christianity as a religion. That's why we're not getting, we're not working in the supernatural. We're not living the life of the rested life. Because why? We think that it's just a kalu kalu, we play, it's loto. Two, seven, nine, thirteen. What's it called? There's this last ball they call power ball or whatever the ball, that last number ball. All of you play those things. Yeah, I watch you sometimes. Two, whatever, whatever. That's how we play Christianity. And you wonder why your life is just like, 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 what you call, like weather. You know, currently now we are now in this spring or summer. So I get confused. Because this is your South African weather. You have plenty of weathers. My country will just have two. Winter and summer. Here and there. There's no stress. <laughs> I think it's three. Winter, summer, and rainy season. Yeah, that's how we call it in my country. <laughs> One of my daughter is laughing here. No, I think it's three. I just remember now, like, okay, it's winter. So our winter in Nigeria is not even called winter. The first time I heard the word winter is essay. I'm very honest. I'm very honest. Like winter, because I came into the country winter. March, I will not forget that year. Here we, I almost wanted to run back with leg, back to my country. Because the play were delaying. So we have winter. No, our winter in Nigeria is called Hamatan. You know, your winter in this country here, yeah, it just gets you cold, you're on heater, you are fine. My own winter in Nigeria, it knocks your door. You'll be hearing the sound. And you go out, you don't take care of yourself, your feet will be caught in like this. That's how bad that winter is. That's why I say you guys don't have, you guys have winter. We have Hamatan. So we have heat. You guys have breeze. Then we have rainy season. That's the three we have in Nigeria. But South Africa, you guys have plenty. 
The other day I was arguing with somebody. No, Pastor, we're in spring. I said, What's your problem? We're in summer. He said, No, we're in, like, whatever. It's okay. I just we're in summer. He said, No, we're in spring. I said, Okay, when did summer kick in? He was trying to calculate. I said, Forget it. Don't worry. As long as I'm feeling heat, we're in summer. Let's leave that part. What I may make you to understand, I'm saying all this because your standpoint of revelation guarantees the authenticity of your altar. Your standpoint of revelation. He says, the Lord, I shall give you the land. He went to build on that platform. He went to build an altar. He's so because of that, so that the altar keep firing that revelation that he has captured. The altar keep firing that revelation that he has captured. I know for some of you, you'll be like, okay, but man of God. So does it mean that every promises that comes, I have to build an altar? Yes. Let me say, yes. There are systems on how to do that. One of the systems, for instance, as your, as, your, as your man of God is preaching at a revelation pop, pop, that's why, for example, with us in my country, Nigerian church, when those revelations come, that's why you wonder when you see people going out and sowing seed as they, not offering what they are doing. They are building an altar around that promises. They are insisting that this word would not pass and boom, they put an altar. Boom, they put an altar. And as they go back, I remember one father of faith. I don't want to mention his name uh, for security reasons. When he catch a revelation, he put a seed, and after then, he take a replica of that seed, and he put it in a prayer's closet. So, which means if God said to him that you would buy a land in Limpopo, and he captured that, he takes a seed, tied to that, now carry that paper of land, drop it at his... So, he has a lot of altars, and that's what fuel him to pull all the exploit he's currently pulling in ministry. If I mention his name, you know, pulling grandeur of exploit. The ability to build your altar on revelation. Second example, his name is called Jacob. Genesis 33 from verse 18 to 20. Don't worry, it's going to get sweeter now. I just wanted to finish this first three. From four to the ten. Ah, it's, it's our work. That's where work is. That's, this supernatural, you must enter it. You must leave it. Genesis 33, 18 to 20. Genesis 33, 18 to 20. It says here, it says, when Jacob come to Padan Aram, he arrived safely in a place, I mean, in a peace at a town of Shechem. It says, in the land of Canaan. And he pitched his tent, um, his tent and close to the town. It says, then he brought, he bought a piece of land and he had encapped from the son of Hiko, Shechem's father, about 400 pieces of money. It says, and he erected an altar and called it what? El Ehio, which means the God, the God of Israel. How did he erect this altar? I will give you. Remember when he fought the battle, when he wrestled with God, according to the scripture. After, from that standpoint, God now changed his name from Jacob the supplanter, the one who manipulated, and now to Israel, the God's chosen generation, the God's kind of people. Based on that revelation, boom, he put an altar on the ground. That I'm insisting. That's why we keep, no matter how much you keep mentioning the name Israel. You see the nation called Israel. There are some, Jacob caused a wahala in my country. He caused, he invoked an altar that no matter how Philistine and Gaza and all those guys came together, they will not kill that country. Forget it. He put an, what they call, I call the word, an eternal altar on the ground based on his name. Say, God, change my name. I lock it as an altar. A question to you this morning. Your altars, are they sponsors from the standpoint of revelation? Or just because you hear one person said, you go and do it. And see, hear me, it's not wrong for you to hear somebody say something. But hear me, do you hear when the person says that, 
Are you hearing it from the standpoint of the lenses of Christ being convinced by the Holy Spirit on your inside? Or you are just that one whereby if this pastor say A, you go do A, somebody come say B, go do B. And this is one thing that is even annoying me these days. I've seen that happen in my generation. I don't know why. You listen to too many. I'm not saying don't listen to pastors, but there are too many voices you bring in. Too many. To the point that even you, you are confused. This pastor say, for example, this pastor says that uh, we have been saved by grace. And that pastor come and tell you that, no, your salvation is the one you did, that your mother did. The next minute, somebody come and tell you that, no, there's ancestors from your village that are attacking you. The next minute, come down, come down. Be like the question Elijah asked. How long will you be playing table tennis? That's what it means. How long? And you wonder why your, your Christian journey, it looks as if it's a, what you call it, it's a computer that is, the computer that is trying to boot properly. You know when you use those old computer Pentium Zero? Because now we're using Quai 7. You now for those of you who have Mac computer, you know how you just own it, you just don't know when it's on. Now just computer you own. If you go back to those days, that's how many of us, our Christianity life is. Our computers are not booted properly because why? We have loaded a lot of junks. A lot of junks. A lot of junks. Do you notice that even the phone you use, when you put some certain app on your phone, you discover that your phone begins to run slow. That's how some of us are. Our revelation that guarantees our altar. What stones have you loaded? What software have you brought in there that has caused that very particular place not to function properly? My dear sisters, my dear family of rest, these first three things that I mentioned is for you, is for you to posture yourself in the spirit while the next one that I'm going to mention now is a standpoint of participation. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4 from verse 7 and 8. 2 Timothy chapter 4 from verse 7 and 8. It's going to get sweeter here. Oh, if you think that I'm doing you ish, ouch, I'm coming, I'm, more ouch are coming now. The more ouch is coming. 2 Peter 4, 7 and 8. The Bible says here, it says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course, my course. I have kept the faith. Hence, there is a laid up for me a crown of righteousness. It says, which the Lord, the righteous judge shall give to me. He says, and not to me only. He says, but to all them also that love his appearing. But guess what? In verse 7, 2 Timothy 4, 7, he says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my race. And I have kept the faith. Let me say something here this morning. There are three things that are very strong on this very particular message. He says that number one, I have fought a good fight. When we talk about the place of fighting a good fight, we're talking a place of you understanding that there are battles that you must battle as far as your life on earth is concerned. The ability for you to understand that there are battles. Elijah was not naive. Understanding that kingdom is about to fight kingdoms. And so the kingdom of Baal and his kingdom of his God, they met on this planet earth and they were fighting. He says, I have fought a good fight. I bet you maybe what you call Paul the Apostle would have understood from Elijah. There is a battle to fight if your name must be written on planet earth. There is a battle to fight. He says, I have fought a good fight. He now says, I have finished my race. For example, when you go watch those people who like running, especially those Kenyan people that run, those people can run. They run more than even, I think sometimes I see some certain videos where you see a Kenyan man running beyond, running past lions. Ah, these people. <laughs> They run. But guess what? The system on how to fight is different from the system on how to run. You must be able to understand that as an athlete, you can't carry the weapon of war. I grew up from the barrack. 
So I know when my father and my parents, they want to go for war. I know how they dress with their regalia, their helmet of salvation. And no, not helmet of salvation. See, because I'm, I'm a pastor now, not helmet. Those ones they wear, the cap. The cap and all the bulletproof and everything they wear because why they are going for war. Now, you now take that. Imagine my father carry that war material and want to stand on a track race to run. And they says on your mark, get set, go. You give him gun. He will shoot everybody there because why? His ability to fight war is not on the place of running a race. That's not his job. But you must understand that everybody, hear me, I'm saying this for me to encourage your faith. Everybody will pass through this level. Number one, you must fight as far as life is concerned. You must fight. He says, I have fought a good fight. Your current circumstances now is either compelling for you to fight the fight of faith or it's compelling for you to finish your race or it's compelling for you to sustain your faith. Whichever one, everybody on planet Earth, we are all locked up in this tree. All of us. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my race. I have kept the faith. Now, guess what? Just because you fight a good fight does not mean that you finish your race. There are many of us currently now, we are still on the boxing ring. Busy praying, my enemy must die. Thunder, fire you. As powerful as that. For some of you, that prayer has come to an end. It is time to enter into the race and begin to run your race. Begin to run your race. And as some of you, just because you are running your race, oh my dear, don't get it too twisted. Maybe your own is to start by running your race, but you will come back and fight some certain battles. And for some of you, just because you are currently, what you call, what you call, finishing your race. But my question is, did you keep the faith as you're about to finish? Not everybody who say, Lord, Lord, will eventually see the kingdom of God, which means not everybody kept the faith. Not everybody kept the faith. Not everybody will keep the faith. So if you fight a good fight, very good. Finish your race. Awesome. Did you keep the faith? The promises of God. Did you keep the faith? Did you keep the faith? Did you keep the faith? It means that you must, on the part of keeping the faith, it means that it's a life, life is a gift and a treasure that you must protect. You must protect it. Your faith, I am for God, no matter what happened, I'm not going to chicken out. And I keep saying, I keep saying it again. Uh, I know that this is an online platform. My wife has warned me several times not to say this, but I'll still say it one more time. She'll forgive me. I know that this is South Africa. And I've said this every time I don't know, man, I'll still say, go to say it again. I am not going to be one of those people that would join same sex. Never. My faith does not permit me. I intend keeping the faith. I intend keeping it. Never. I'm using that, for example, as a general e example. I intend keeping that faith. Intend keeping it. You know, I was saying to my wife the other day, we were driving, coming from a particular meeting we went. And I said, as much as we like reading Hebrews chapter 11, the problem is the fact that we don't read it down, finish. There are women, the Bible says, that they kept their faith even to the killing of themselves. That I know my Redeemer liveth, and they died believing that. They kept the faith. They kept the faith. I was saying to my wife, the way I so kept the faith about the growth of Platform Church and the influence God wants us to do on both the ministry and the business side, I die holding that to my grave. I die with it. Because why? I want to know that I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. Talking about the whole part of finishing your race, you must understand that before you finish, you have to start. What are you going to start before you say, I finish my race? Starting the business. 
starting that very particular course, starting that very particular agenda, whatever the thing is that is a race, you must start a race. You can't say I finished the race without starting. Do you have you ever seen somebody get at the finish line without you seeing them at the starting point of the race? It's not possible. Before you say, I have finished my race on my course, what did you start? What did you start? What did you start? Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. Second Corinthians 10, verse 4. He said, For the weapon of our warfare is no canal, which means ability for us to understand that this word is a demonic and a wicked word. We cannot negate the place of constant fighting the good fight of faith. Staying in the place of prayer, engaging words, using your words of confession, the meditations of your heart, and begin to wage war. Because why? They are not the one like AK-47. You can sit in your house and begin to lambando in the realm of the spirit, and you change the handwriting of what is happening currently in Zimbabwe. We fight the good fight of faith. With that being said, point number four. I took time to explain that. Because from four to the finishing, ah, it's a ouch. Number four, what must I do that guarantees my supernatural surprises? Build your altar. I mean, sorry, build around your altar. Build around your altar. What does it mean for me to say build around your altar? I'm going to explain. It means that the thing that you are believing God for, is this something that you have prayed in the place of prayer and you are expecting it or you are going to start the race? I'll repeat it again. The prayer you are praying for, is it something that we can see that you have started the race? Because guess what? I think I was trying to explain this thing at the Davidson Church. And I was saying to them, my wife and I, for instance, we are married. Now, the Bible said, two shall touch anything and it shall be established. In the covenant of marriage, because there is a law that governs marriage also. In the covenant of marriage, if my wife and I says that we are going to Limpopo, and I wake up one morning, I say, I'm going to Polokwane. Without my wife agreeing on that, the altar of marriage does not guarantee that that, what's called Polokwane, I'm going. It doesn't guarantee safety on that very particular journey. Because why? The altar here says Limpopo, but my outcome is Polokwane. Many of us, we pray, God bless me. I'm starting my job. But by the time you finish that prayer, you carry your CV, you are looking for a job. <laughs> You know, when you listen to me, I say, ah, it's a problem. God, I'm starting my business. And after you finish, you now hear that the economy is bad. They say, oh boy, this is the business. Leave one, leave one side. Because your author is busy cooking possibilities for you as to starting the race. But you are now changing the narratives. And your author is very hot looking for the expression of what you prayed for. But when he showed up where you are currently, he can't find the business that you want to start. And yet you say, I'm finishing my race. There are some of us, your altar is even speaking against you. Because why? What you say to your altar in private and what you are doing now in public, they don't align together. And yet you are looking for the supernatural. Lord, we are trusting God for a property. As much as that, my dear, I am reaching out to people because why? that is what I'm trusting God for. Lord, we are trusting God for the business and stuff. I'm reaching out on the business. I'm not reaching out to go and, start to go and look for the employment. No. Because the altar has been set. I have to build around the altar. Build around the altar. How do I know? I'll give you two examples. The Bible says in 1 Kings 18.32, and our core scripture, 1 Kings 18.32, I'm liking this. Now, when we're talking about the building here, 
We're talking about what you want to see the supernatural of God happen in that. Maybe, for example, you are single and you are trusting God. God, I want to be maritally settled. And you want to be maritally settled. That's your prayer that you've prayed using number one, two, three points that I gave you. Now you want to now build around the place of, I want to be maritally settled. And the first thing you do after leaving your prayer is for you to inbox that man that you know that is married. And like, no, baby, you are the, I wanted to say something in my language. Then your phone crash. Literally, you finish prayer I want, and you are embossing, sending the married man message. The altar will fight you. Your phone will crash. There's no way. Your phone will crash. I, I'm, I'm even prophesying now. Your phone will crash. On what level? Your altar will, because why? You said to your altar, I want to be maritally settled. He is already orchestrating your Adam for you to go and meet him in the garden where he is busy farming. He must have something to farm. My wife met me at the garden. I didn't go find her some. She met me at the garden. She met me there. And when she met me there, funny enough, yesterday she was reading some, you know, be careful what you put down on paper. Be careful. She was reading some things to me that she wrote 2018. Because I met her 2018 August. She wrote 2018 in February or March. And yet, boom, then I asked her, do I look like what you... When she was reading, I was like, wow, wow. Why? As she built around the altar, I popped out in August. There are some of us, you say, I want to be maritally settled. But the first thing you are doing, you are fighting a woman who is married at home. And you are stressing her because you are dating her husband. And you think that that woman is not cursing you in the realm of the spirit. She's cursing you. The moment she cries, that cry is landing on your head. And you think that you can be married. Never. And even though you find yourself by mistake married, you will reap what you sow if you don't cry for repentance. You will repeat. You will repeat. You will repeat. Building around your altar. Let's look at it because we are looking at First King eighteen thirty-two. It says here, and with the stone he built an altar, which means Elijah has built the altar, like we said in one to three. Now, guess what? It says, and he made a trench round about the altar. He made a trench round about the altar, which means. As far as these supernatural surprises I want to see, and hear me, the supernatural, supernatural surprises I'm talking about, anything that you want to see God's hand on, anything, I'm not saying that it has to be marriage or business, anything that for you, this is my supernatural surprises I am trusting God for. Are you building it around your altar? He says, and he built the trenches around the altar. He built the ten trenches. Joshua chapter 6, because I want to show you so that the Bible says the amount of two or three, so that you see it. Joshua 6, 12 to 14. This was when the children of Israel, they were going to break down the wall of Jericho. I want to show you how they do that very particular thing. Remember that Jericho is what they want to go and break down. Let me show you how they carry their altar round about that very particular Jericho. No wonder the Jericho fell. It was not because the priest talked. It was because there was an altar that was sponsoring the possibility. It was not because, uh, what you call, there were singers who were busy blowing trumpet. Fa, 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 fa. It didn't work. An altar was insisting that the trumpet that you are blowing, your seed that you are giving, your, your sacrifice in the kingdom of God, that is an altar that is speaking. No wonder Jericho has to fall. Joshua chapter 6, verse 12 to 14. Oh, Father, help me. He said, Joshua got up early in the morning and the priest took what? He said, took up the ark of the Lord. That was their altar. Took up the ark of the Lord. It says, and the seven priests carrying the seven trumpet went before him. Guess what? Marching before the ark of the Lord 
and blowing the trumpet. And the men went ahead and the regia following the ark. He said, why the trumpet keeps sounding? He says, so they did that on the second day, the third day, even down to the seventh day. What is the secret here? The altar was around them. The altar was part of the thing. Jericho must fall, but my altar must support the Jericho. My business must rise, but the business, are you literally looking for business or you are going to look for job? My altar, we want to get the job. We want to get the promotion. But yet you are going out. What your altar, you said to your altar, and what you are doing out there, there are two different things. And yet, you are expecting a supernatural manifestation. I have fought a good fight. There are some of you who are very good at fighting the battles in the realm of the spirit with your kneel on the ground. But are you strategic in finishing your race or starting the race by making sure that this race I want to run, it's aligned with the altar that I'm currently using. This race I want to run, what are you building? Are you building it round about your altar? Or the thing you are building, even your altar is not even aware. And yet you are wondering why the world, they beat you at the game. Because even the world understand that if we want to go and start a business, let's go and meet our own whatever altars. They speak to their altar, come in that accord to do the thing. But for us as church, you know, the grace of God is sufficient for us all. You know, he would, my weaknesses, he will come. No, it's only baby Christian that use those scriptures. When you are matured sons and daughters, you are deliberate that as far as my life is concerned, I will change the narratives. I can't be, see, I think I said something that I don't know who, who I was telling that. I said, if you keep making the same mistake all the time, you've not learned. You're a baby Christian. But making mistake is not a crime. But if you keep making the same mistake all the time in one thing, calm down now. Calm down. If you keep making new mistake on new things, it's accepted. But making the same mistake on one thing, you've not learned. You've not learned. My question to you. In your building, in your crying for supernatural supply, in your crying for God to show up his hand upon your life, are you building that cry or that tears around your altar? Or you finish your prayer and the, your tears is just an emotional blackmail to hold us men of God in ransom. Because we hear you crying, huh? and all of a sudden, like, God, they give waters now. Abba. And now only you now get this problem for planet Earth. What do you worry you now? You should, you should get tired of your problem, self. You think we don't say it? We say it in our mind. It's just that we don't tell you. So your faith does not fail you. Build around your altar. Point number five, quickly. How do we engage? How do we engage? In terms of pulling supernatural supplies. Still on First King, chapter 18, verse 33. Point number five, First King 18, 33. It says, and Elijah, he put woods in order. He put the wood. As he was building, he put the wood in order. What does it mean there? Number five, engage on operational systems. Operational systems. There are some of you, your system now, you are like Peter. The first time Jesus met Peter, if God says, cast your net on the other side, that net will catch no fish. Not even talk of catching and losing. Have you sustained a system that insists that this supernatural supply that I'm experiencing, that I'm going to expect God, that when it lands, that my wood can carry them. Build. Engage on operational system. Engage on operational system. The question there is the fact that what are the building blocks that you have put in place? That will hold the result that you are expecting God from. Lord, I want for me to be able to run. For example, I'll use myself as, as, as a pastor. Lord, give me a thousand members. And God is looking. They are there. 
But your operational system at the moment, you've not put the wood properly that guarantees that I can bring the 1,000 member now. But if I bring them now, they, they can't stay because why? The operational system is not there. I'm using myself as an example. What are the operational system? The Bible says, guess what? Elijah was a prophet, but he understand how to put woods. He understand. There are some of you, you are expecting your pastor, the government, um, I'll use the two, pastor and government, to put wood for you. There are some of you, the government gave you house, you expected them to give you couch, expected them to give you stove. For some of you, I bet you, you even expected the government to come and sleep with your partner. Chances are high. Because why? You've not learned, and yet you are crying, Lord, supernatural supply. And God is saying, you are not ready. You are not ready. The supply is there. I says my covenant I will not break. But does your wood, can it carry the supply you are asking God for? Can it carry the supply? Can it carry the supply you are asking God for? Many of us want supernatural. But God knows that your net can't get the fish that you are looking for. Your net can't get. What are the woods we're talking about? The woods are talk, we talk about the wood we're talking about are the systems. For example, I don't know why I like using the whole issue of marital settlement. Maybe because I was there before. By the time I wanted to get married, let me tell you one of the things I do. I stopped reading books on how to be single. I started reading books on how to be married and how to stay married. I remember one book. I will never forget that book. That book changed my life very well. And the man is late now. It's called The Principle and Purpose of a Woman. Ah! That book was a game changer. That book was like, it was, a, it was insight and revelation for me. Till tomorrow, the things I read on that book, I bet you if you wake me 2 a.m., I'll do it. I'll tell you all. Because why? I am single and I want to marry. And because I want to go, the place I want to go, and I'm not studying that area. No, forget that nonsense. The way I was reading, I read book on marriage, women, marriage. You would think that I'm trying to become those, you know, those things you people like, like doing, those change of sex. No. But because I know I want to get married. Oh boy, I'm going to be getting, I'm going to be marrying somebody's daughter that I don't know where she came from. Remember, because that time, I don't know where she came from. I don't know what culture she's coming with. I don't know how understanding. And I need the default template. That when she showed up, I know how to manage that. And yet, by the time she popped out, ah, it's been four years thus far. God, bear me witness, she's listening to me. I've never asked her a question. Are you mad? I've never asked her that question. Because why? I took time to put the woods in order. I took my time to arrange. Guess what? This part does not come by prayer and fasting. Let me help you. It doesn't come by binding the devil. It comes by owning up and playing your part. It comes by owning up. Lord, this, this one, don't worry, God, this is my battle. I will learn what I need to learn. This morning, by the time I was just preparing, coming upstairs, and I was not thinking, I'm like, okay, like, this is very particular thing I want to do. I need to go to this very particular course, blah, blah, blah. blah. In my mind, I'm thinking, oh boy, age is not in my side again. My brain is full. But I'm like, it's okay. The brain will adjust itself. I was putting the wood. Putting the wood. Putting the wood. Putting the wood. There are some of you, you have added three, what you call Your wood on your table. You've put the three legs. The fourth leg, you forget. And you are wondering why the supernatural supply is not coming in. Because why God knew that the fourth one is not. But when I put the thing that you are asking, it will crash every other thing there. The ability for you to understand that your wood there represents systems in your life. Disciplines. How to be consistent in your dealings. The ability for you to show forth excellence. Your ability for you to have a technical know-how. What are the developed skills that you have taken? Elijah understand that for me to put the bullock and to experience supernatural fire to be on this bullock, that must be a part of me putting the woods together. My question to you this morning, 
after the service is over, you need to look at your life. What woods do I need to add? For some of you, if your ability for you to go and learn something somewhere, go back and learn it. The fish is in the river, but your net cannot carry it. The fish is flowing, but your net cannot carry it. If at all your net carry it, you keep losing much fish. And God is like, remember, God is not the God of waste. He doesn't waste. I want to give you 200 fish. But he can see that your net can only take 50. Even that 50, 49 will jump out of that very particular net. Only one you come and you say, no, my God is not doing miracle. He is. But your net and your wood are not strong. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. Daniel 11, verse 32, as we begin to prepare to go to our point number six. Daniel eleven thirty two. he says here, he said, those who do wickedly against the covenant shall, he said, corrupt with flattery, which means indirectly for those of you who don't want to engage in covenant practices, that's the scripture for you. He said, corruption, he said, watch what? He says, but the people who do know their God, he said, they shall be strong and do exploit. The people who do know their God shall be strong and do exploit. Now, on that very particular debate, there are three things there that we need to look quickly. He says, the people who do know, number one, write the word there, know, which is knowledge. The people who do know, there must be a certain level of knowledge and in terms of arranging your wood. The people who do know, there must be a knowing. Without a knowing, there's not a showing. If you don't know, you can't show. You must know to show. Say, the people who do know their God, who do know, know there is the knowledge. What knowledge? And this point, we're not talking about knowledge of God. We're talking about knowledge of the business that you're currently doing. Knowledge of your career. Knowledge of the mountains you currently occupy. Knowledge with your children. Knowledge with your husband. There are some couples right now. Their husband, they don't even know what their husband is thinking next to. They have no clue. Knowledge. The people who do know their God. He now says also, he says, they shall be. Which means the be there. Number two, put the B, B-E. It means to be transformed. Which means when knowledge comes, you transformed. The people who do know their God, he says, shall be transformed. The people who know their God, the people who have a knowledge, will always transform. And in that transformation, he says, and shall do. The do there means action. So which means, number one, you must have knowledge in setting up of your wood. Number two, you must be transformed because your knowledge guarantees transformed. People who knows me around and those ones who have the privilege of coming to my place and to be in my inner circle, they will tell you, I crave for knowledge like craving for air. The way I crave for knowledge, I don't even crave, I don't crave my goosey soup. The way I crave for knowledge, I crave for knowledge. Crave for knowledge. I can't because I understand that in the days of ignorance, the devil will make me bleed. Pursue after knowledge, knowledge of my business, knowledge of my career, knowledge of my wife. No, I pursue knowledge, pursue knowledge. Let me shock you. I pursue knowledge to the point that on Wednesday, when we mark our anniversary, the first thing I ask my wife, if I, I think if I'm not mistaken, that's the first thing I ask her before I even say happy, uh, what's called happy anniversary, happy good morning. What's babe? This is this is four years. What do I need to know about you? I asked her that question every. She will tell you every year. I ask her. I ask her that question on her birthday. I ask her on our anniversary. I don't miss that today because why? We are changing. We are growing. In case if things have changed, I don't want to assume that because I'm a prophet, I would decode in the spirit. Come down, human being also. I, I ask her, sweet, what is it? And she gave me, you know, just continue this ones you are doing and this part adjust and stuff. I say, okay, yes, ma. I throw salute for her like a general. 
Now I know. I put it in my head because why? I need to carry that informational knowledge as we are going towards the next fifth year. The ability, the people who do know, who has the knowledge, will be transformed. And in their transformation, that understanding of transformation, they can then begin to do exploit. So as much as many of you confess that thing, I hear you. This is the real truth of it. For you to be able to pull off with your wood, you must have a knowledge base. That knowledge base will transform you. And in that transformation, it then begins to empower you to be able to implement that which you need to do. Beloved, I want you to understand something. That the people, the only people that do are those that be. And those who be are those who know. I'll repeat it again. The only people that do, indirectly, the people who take actions are those that are transformed. Because the reason why you are not taking actions is because you have not insisted on transformation. And the people who are transformed are those that have a certain level of knowledge. The reason why you are not pursuing knowledge, only you and your God with your village people know. Why? Because I don't know. In this world where we live, ah, the other day I was watching a particular documentary. <laughs> I was looking at this very particular automobile company. How that very particular, I think is in China. They are producing these, they are funny, funny cars and stuff. Guess what? They shrink the total production of producing that car. The guy was giving the documentary. He says to produce that very particular car, it will take about 87 staff to make that car. Guess how many people made the car? Two. <laughs> I said, so 85 people are stranded looking for a job. Guess what? They, they created a robotic system that was doing the thing. Pra, 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 and they literally, the guy, they, they were asking the guy, what were the damage done on this very particular thing? He said, by the time they finish this car, the only minimum damage they find on the thing is less than 0.2%. They now ask him, when humans are doing it, what happened? He said, at least they have to go on a test, what's it called? On, 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 there's, a, there's a way he called it, but it's called a pressure, a pressure test. So that if the car hits something, what are the things? And guess what? He said, for a human repairing that car, there are 50% chance that the pressure test will not be fulfilled. But when they, I say, I say, then we human beings are in trouble. And yet you are thinking that your certificate you got in 1422 is relevant in 2022. I don't know where you get that story from. You are joking. I know you don't want this message. I'm telling you what, what invokes supernatural surprises. If, what you call, Elijah understand that my part is to put the wood. It's not, I can pray fire. But if the wood is not there, the fire will not come. He knows because God told him, do this. This is what guarantees supernatural supply. If you go this road, you are sure of the answer. Point number six, my time goes the wrong. I see the push one. How did I just speak broken just now? <laughs> my time is running as if somebody is chasing it. That's what I just said in broken. My time just the run as if somebody did push one. Point number six, what do we do? There's a fact that you need to engage in selling and investing. You need to engage in selling and investment. You need to engage in selling. Still on 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 33. I want to show you. <laughs> I hope you guys are blessed this morning. I know you don't expect this one this morning, but my dear, let's not. I don't want to be the pastor that will preach out of the Apostle 20. Make me to understand. You make me to understand that I will be held accountable for the information and the knowledge that I didn't give you. I say, hey, when I saw that, I vowed till I die. Everything God given, I give you. Because I don't want to go to heaven and go, you know, you're supposed to teach this part. The reason why Sibongile did not buy her house is because you did not teach this part. Then God now hold me responsible for Sibongile not buying a house. No, never. Calm down. I have enough responsibility in my own house. 
that God will now hold me accountable for Zibungili is not buying. No, 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 no. I'll teach you everything. Engage in selling. First King chapter 18, verse 33. I want to show you what happened. The Bible says, let's look, because I know some of you read the scripture very fast. The Bible says, and Elijah, he cut the bullock in pieces. And guess what he did? He laid it on the wood. <laughs> he cut the bullock. For some of you, you have laid your, for some of you, you are very good. You've put your woods. You've done your business plan, put everything and go. But can we say the product that you are talking about? And yet you are telling us that you, you know, you don't understand. You know, I want to make this, this perfume. And we, we, we've heard of the, it's enough. In fact, the way you are even saying it, we are smelling it. Can we see the perfume? Can we see it? The Bible says, and Elijah caught the bullock and put it on the wood, not under the wood. On the wood, which means people must see it. How many of us are currently cutting our bullocks to put on the woods? Many of us, Lord bless me, I want to get this job. But yet your CV is still waiting to be sent from your email. You did not want to send that, that CV on the wood so that they receive it. Because why? Mara, maybe this company is not going to accept me. How do you know? What of if they accept you? Must you think negative before you come to positive? What of? He said he cut the bullock in pieces and laid on the wood. Many of us are crying for supernatural, but nothing is on our wood that God can use. Nothing is on our wood. Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 12. They throw in your enemy 28 verse 12. It says here, it says the Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure. Somebody say amen. It says and the heaven to give rain upon your land. It says, and to bless all the works of thy hand. It says, and thou shalt lend to many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. As beautiful as that very particular amen you've just said. Let's go back again and read this slowly. The Lord shall open his good treasure and shall give rain unto thy land. My question is, which land are you currently occupying that God will give you rain on top? As powerful as that amen is, which land are you occupying? He says, and bless the works of your hand. Which, your work, your hand, what are you doing? What are you doing? And yet, no God, you are shouting. Your altar is busy generating the heat. It is waiting for you to reflect the light, but yet he can't find you. That's why for me, I like moon. You see that moon? Okay, you guys call it, I don't know how you guys call it in South Africa. Moon, M-O-O-N, moon, yeah, whatever. Pardon me, moon. <laughs> you see why I like moon? Moon does not bother trying to argue with the son. He let the son to do his gra-gra. All he just do is just roll himself. Whee! And just stand at the moon. Do you notice that there is a moon festival? There is no sun festival. <laughs> and yet the moon does not generate any light. Nothing. The moon is as black as, is as, black as dark as whatever. But yet he says, me, you people will worship me. So no matter how much the sun runs away from the moon, the moon will find itself again back. We and stay, and we keep healing the moon. My question to you this morning: You are busy generating the heat with your altar. Are you reflecting the light by you making sure that the works of your hand can be found there? The works of your hand. I remember one, one of the people in Davidsonville. I don't want to mention name because I know some of you are listening and stuff. And I was saying to the lady, I said, "See, while we were sitting in that place, I gave her four businesses that she can do there. Four. Four good businesses. And all of the businesses do not require a certificate. 
Because I know some of you think that, no, maybe I need to. It does not require certificate. It does not require CPRO. Let me help you. Before you say, okay, I want to go and raise. I ask her, do you have private account? You say, yes. Then that's, that's all you need. Consider they pay you money there. Four in one spot. Because why? God will only bless the works of your hand, not the thought of your mind. He will bless the works of your hand, not the thought of your Your works, the work. He said, which means you must work it. You must work the thing before he bless it. The ability for you to wake up in the morning, write the business plan, send that very particular meeting, engage that very particular person. You want to go into sales. You want whatever. Write it down. Take action. Stop writing. For some of you, you have written for too long. You can produce a book. We know. Go and do that very particular. <laughs> you know I'm laughing now? Something just came to my mind. There's this very particular guy I saw on social media. He, he finished writing his book. And after writing the book, finish. And the book is how to, how to make money, 101. He wrote the book finish. <laughs> you know, when I saw the thing on media, now I pity the, I pity, you people are wicked. I pity the response they give the guy. Now the guy finished writing his book. Now he's now soliciting for fund. Like, okay, guys, I finished writing this book. I need you guys for you to, to I need fund to print the book. Yo, you don't want to see people response. People say, read your book. Because if you are writing a book for how to get fund, then read your book. <laughs> you know, when, I, when, I, when I saw that thing, I said, yo, Facebook, you people are not holy. You people are very, you people are sinners. Like, in my mind, I'm like, shame. <laughs> I think it took me time. I'm not really serious. So I, I now took time. Look, I said, oh, how to make money 101. Now you are coming out to ask for money to print your book. Then read your book so that you know how to make <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> you people are wicked. <laughs> but what does it mean indirectly? The works of your hand. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 14. Deuteronomy 11, verse 14. He says, then I will reign on your land in his season. Which means if there is no land, there is no rain. Many of you are calling for the supernatural, calling for rain, and there is no land. What land are you giving God to rain on? Lord, this is my land. You know, there's a certain prayers I pray. You don't want to see me pray in private, but one of the prayers I pray, Lord, my feet is in this country. I will not be deported. Not by crook or by hook. Not. He says, where your feet shall tread upon. Guess what? Those are my altar. That's this scripture I just said. is my altar scripture from the day I stepped into this country. March 20, March 2009, 23rd. The day I landed, that, that scripture is my altar. Lord, my feet is in South Africa. I will not be exempted. Not be removed. I am planted here. I prayed it to the point that I, I bet you South Africa knew I prayed the prayer. They dashed me their daughter. That's how I can. That's the only way I can. They dash me. That like, guy, you prayed it. They and guess what? They dash me the best product, best one, best one from Gramstown, very best one. Chassis, no damage. Chassis, best one. That's how I insist. But guess what? I walk the walk. Let me help you. I walk the walk. I didn't just talk the talk. I walk it. Even currently now, the place that we're trusting God for the church door to open. You don't want to see the prayer I pray and my negotiation. If you see me negotiate, no, my wife doesn't like when you see me negotiate. We'll go to, me, I will, if not because pick and pay, say pick and pay. I will pick and price first. Ah, what nonsense is that? I just pick and pay like that. You think I make the money like that? But you're picking, I just go, I just pick, I just give me money. No. South African government, please change that thing. Can we start pricing? That's not nice. Pick and pay. You go to every place, you pay. You see the price. If I have some shops, especially, I don't want to mention the shops thing. Some dodgy shops, they will tell you, one is 59, one is 15.99. Two, they now tell you two is 60 rand. In your mind, you think it's discount. 
one fifteen ninety nine. Two supposed to be how much? At least thirty one or thirty two. They now tell you forty rand because you say they say one fifteen ninety nine. They put that red sticker. Your mind is if I buy two, then which means I'm saving. You don't know that you're just giving them extra ten rand on top of the original price. Because why? You pick and pay. You don't pick and price. You people should just be like us, where I came from. Price everything. Price. If you have a way, price your salvation. <laughs> but hear me. I hope you have been blessed. You want to enjoy supernatural supply. You must be able to supernatural surprises. You must be able to engage in selling. If I ask you for you to tell me the product that you are selling, if you're, let's even bring it this way. If your job were to close right now, let's say government or your company closed right now, what will you use to survive? If this question did not hit you, then I don't know what you want for yourself. I really don't know. You see that one? I, I, I can't profess lie to you because that's lying. I can't profess lie to you. It's impossible. Imagine that you go to office tomorrow and I'm not praying it happens to you. But imagine, we live in this. You see, this, this world is wicked. Let's be honest. The world is wicked. You can't tell what will happen tomorrow in the morning. You can't tell. You go to office tomorrow and they tell you that the job has cancelled, the company has gone into liquidation, blah, 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 no more job, and they beg you by compensating you, at least they give you that month's salary. In fact, they give you cash because the computer for them to send the money to your account is not there. What will you do? What will you do? Take that cash and go and start a business or take that cash and begin to cry or carry that cash and go to something, that billionaire side, and go and buy one cloth for 42,000 rand. literally that's your salary. Then you now come, you are disturbing the pastor. Pastor, supernatural money. Let me just end it there. Because the next thing I want to say, you'll be so shocked. Final scripture on this place, I give my point number seven. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, one to six. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, because I want to show you from the scripture, I'm reading from the NIV, this one. Ecclesiastes 11, one to six. Ecclesiastes 11. That's one scripture that sometimes you're like, wow, what is wrong with Solomon? He says here, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, 1 to 6. He says here, he says, ship your grains across the sea. Underline the word your grains, not somebody else's grains, but you must ship it across the sea. That's why I tell all of you in Platform Church, if you are not thinking global, you are living a less life of what God called you to do. Ship your grace indirectly. You must have a stake outside of South Africa. You must. If you are not thinking of having a stake after today's service is over, begin to think what stake will I ship out from South Africa? Guess what? That's a business model your pastor is already creating around this scripture. <laughs> I have no clue. He says, Ship your grains across the sea. He said, After many days, may receive a return. Now, guess what he says in verse 2? Invest in seven ventures. There are some of you who don't even have one. Not even talk of seven. Invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight. He says, you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. This is, this is Solomon, the wisest man. He said, if the cloud is full of waters and they pour rain on the earth, he said, whether it trees or the south or the north or the place where it falls, he said, there it will lie. He said, whatsoever watches, I mean, whatsoever watches the wind will not plant indirectly. Stop calculating. You've calculated for too long. That's why you're not taking steps. He says, and whosoever look at the cloud will not rip. He says, as you do not know the parts of the wind or how the body is formed in the mother's womb. He says, so you cannot understand the supernatural work of God. Your own part. Just make sure that you play. He says, the maker of all things. He now says in verse 6, sow your seed in the morning. At the evening, let your hand not be idle. 
You say, for you do not know which one will blow. Like we like saying in platform, you don't know which one will hammer. You say, whether it is this or that, or whether it is both will equally make well. But guess what? Verse 2, invest in seven places. Invest in seven places. Invest in seven places. I like one of the prophetic words, and what he called, um, I think it was Elijah, gave to that very particular woman who ran to come and, no, it was Elisha, who ran to come and meet him and says, no, your, 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 my, your, your servant served the Lord and he died, blah, blah. And Elijah asked the woman, what do you have in your house? She said, I have an oil. Do you hear what he said to the woman? Go borrow a few. That borrow there means go invest on other people's stuff. And when you invest, collect that product. I was saying to somebody, I think it was two days ago, I was making them to understand, to borrow money is not a crime. But the use of the money, that's where the crime is. You can borrow, you see, you only borrow money to advance career. You don't borrow money to, to live life. Like some of you, you borrow money to go to Dubai. Well done. Congratulations. Come and meet me for prayer. God will show me your problem. And I'll let you know, I ain't praying those prayers with you. You borrow money to advance. The first time borrowed was mentioned in this kingdom here was Elijah. Guess what? A prophet. Go borrow a few. Indirectly, don't go borrow much. Borrow the one that can accelerate your business. After then, return that thing for them back. Return it. But you have to learn how to understand that you must engage in selling and in investing. Point number seven. What else again must we understand? The fact that if you want to enjoy supernatural surprises, you must understand the spirit or the mystery of deadness and sacrifice. The mystery of deadness and sacrifice. If it, if it cannot leave your hand, it cannot produce anything. Many of us are still holding the seed. We are not willing to cast it to the ground so that it dies and begin to produce much fruit. Let's guess what? Do you notice that for Elijah to perform that sacrifice and put that very particular bullock on that place, that bullock had to die. Because he says he cut the bullock in pieces. He cut the bullock in pieces. He cut the bullock. The bullock had, and guess what? Elijah was not operating from a place of emotion, what's called, from a place of emotion. He was dead to the things of God. Lord, if this is your way, so be it. Many of us want to enjoy supernatural surprises, but we are not dead with Christ. We are not dead in with our fellowship with him. We are still operating with the world system. The world system that says the more you keep, the more you grow. In fact, it's quite funny now whereby business people will tell you the more you keep, the more you grow. But I've noticed, maybe because for me, I like these people, the billionaires in this world. I've noticed that one of the things that is their secret, one of them, those guys are dangerous givers. They don't play. The other day I was reading on Forbes, what's called Forbes magazine. Warren Buffett, uh, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos. What's it? This guy who owns Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg. They are competing who will give 90% of their wealth out. Give. Hey. So try that in church. It's the pastors after our money. Guess what? They understand that there's a mystery, an ancient secret called sacrifice and being dead out of it. Guess what? Mark Zuckerberg, I think it was three years ago, if I'm not mistaken, gave about 60% of his wealth. He still came back to number seven. <laughs> it's a mystery. You want to compare supernatural surprises? You must be able to pull that. John chapter 12, verse 24. Let me show you scripture there. John 12. And when I'm talking about being dead and ability for you to understand a mystery of sacrifice, I'm not just talking about money because many of you churches has made this about money issue. 
so prime to the point that when we talk about being dead and sacrifice, the first thing you are thinking, you're already holding your pocket, holding your wallet and everything. Relax, calm down. When we talk about sacrifice, your sacrifice of time, your sacrifice of discipline. Some of you need to sacrifice your bed. Tell your bed, I'm not sleeping with you. I'm not sleeping with you for the next three days. And you sleep in the couch with, with your papers by the side, writing the things that you want to do. So calm down. It's not about money. It's about the sacrifice. Put yourself under pressure. If my life must change, then it is up to me. I was telling my wife a few days from now, she's not going to be available and stuff. And I was saying to her, I said, the moment you just go like this, oh boy, I'm engaging in some danger. She like, my friend, don't talk to spirit too. She was already, don't talk to a spiritist. Because I know, I know, I don't have time. I came late in this work. I need to catch up very quick. Rapture will soon take place. Rapture is real. It's coming, but I want to go back. Lord, in that two days you gave me, this is my result. This is my result. So I'm dead. I die daily, like Paul says, to the things of God. John chapter 12, verse 24. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and do what? And die. He said, it abided alone. He said, but if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. So which means that seed in your hand, the seed of your career, the seed of your passion, the seed of your grace, the seed of your talent. Are you willing to let that seed die and say you must grow by your sacrifice that you put on the table? If you are not willing to sacrifice it, forget it. You are not qualified to partake of the blessing. If you are not willing to sacrifice it, you are not qualified to partake of that blessing. Every man of God that you see throughout the scripture, there are portals they enter into from the platform of sacrifice. There are portals they experience from the path platform of being dead to the things of this world. These two, these are ancient secrets that guarantees your stability and also guarantees your elevation. Your ability to be dead and to understand the mystery of sacrifice. He says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 36. 1 Corinthians 15, 36. He says, you fool, you say, what you sow does not come into life unless it dies. <laughs> when I saw that scripture, I was like, oh my God, Paul, you can't talk. What you sow does not come into life unless, do you know how this scripture matters? There are some of you, this is how you reap your, you make your sacrifice not show. You keep asking, but God, I gave, I gave, I did, I do, I did, I did not sleep. I, the more you keep saying that. The more that very particular, you are, you are reawakening the consciousness of that seed. You are reawakening it. The seed needs to die. And how does the seed die? It then takes us to point number eight. The seed died this way. In the place of your passion, your joy, and your consistency. Point number eight. What is point number eight? It's the place of your water. The place of your water. Let's look at it again. The book of 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 33. Remember, I tell you, that's my anchor scripture. Do you notice that we are just in one verse since? We've not finished it. Some of you who read the Bible twice in a month, I don't know how you guys do it. Oh. Congrat Please come and teach me. I need to learn. Because you guys are experts. Read Bible twice in a month. Some of us, we see it for three days. We are locked down in one chapter. We don't know how to move. Not because the next page is not coming. What we are drawing from that one page, we can stay there three days. That because that's what gives back to insight and understanding in court revelation. First King chapter 18, verse 33. Look at what Elijah did. The Bible says, and he said, fill the four barrels with water and pour it on the bond sacrifice and on the wood. 
Feel the pour it. Look at where he poured it. Pour it on the sacrifice. What is water? The Bible makes us to understand as a newborn believer, this is what water means. John chapter 7, verse 38. Let me show you what the water there means. It says, He that believes in me, he said, As the scripture has said, out of your belly shall flow out rivers of living water. So, which means from your belly, there are waters that you need to pour on your sacrifice. What are the waters? The waters of joy, the waters of gladness, the waters of diligence, the waters of discipline. You need to bring that out from your belly, not from outside. The Bible says, he said to them, pour the waters on the sacrifice. Not going to remove the sacrifice. Many of you are removing the sacrifice and yet you are calling for supernatural supplies. You are calling for supernatural manifestation. He said, pour the water on the sacrifice. Pour the water on the sacrifice. Pour the water on the sacrifice. Which means you have to constantly pour until the harvest begins to manifest. You need to constantly pour your joy. There are some certain difficulties and challenges that you will see some people go through. You will never see it on their face because why? Out of their belly flows out rivers. Not the circumstances flow into them. Out of their belly flows out rivers. Not the job that they've lost is now talking to them. Out of their belly, you ask them, how are you doing? I'm rested and blessed. And yet they just lost their job because why? Out of their belly flows out rivers of living water. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3. Isaiah 12, verse 3. It says, therefore, he said, with joy shall you draw waters from the wells of salvation. With joy. You want to pull off supernatural supply? I mean, surprises this season of your life? With joy shall you do that. I know that they say your job is about to come to an end. With joy shall you send CV. With joy shall you take that very particular retirement paper. With joy shall you take the firing paper. Because why? You understand that it is not the external that determines your life. It is the internal that writes the narratives of life. Internal. With joy, you shall draw waters from the wells of salvation. With joy. With joy. You can write these two scriptures down. Isaiah chapter 44 verse 2 to 4. Isaiah 44 verse 2 to 4. And Isaiah chapter 54 verse 1 to 5. Take time. Go read it. And begin to see how these people, they pull joy. And out of the joy, they begin to make exploits. Begin to come up with solutions. Begin to come up with strategies and systems. With joy. I don't you notice that the more you get worried, yet yeah, solution is not coming out. You, I remember one, one of the daughters came to meet me and she was crying. Now, prophet, this is uncle. I said, what's the problem? She said a lot of things. I said, okay, fine, let's sit down. By the time we sit down, I didn't pray. We, I didn't know there's a certain place I don't pray. I just look, okay, let's hear you talk to me. We just talk. And after we talk, she smiled. And the way she was going back home, she was going back home as if somebody who they just give, you know those sweets that you like, those sweets you like when you were a child. <coughs> She was running back and asked her, how are you feeling? He said, said, no prophet, I'm joyful. Now I can go and do it. I can go and, no worry, thank you. And, and she was just happy, jumping. She was jumping like, like this, what's it called? This scapegoat. They want you, they just, <laughs> with joy, with joy, with joy. Point number nine quickly, because my time is really running out. Point number nine. What is again guarantees us to enjoy supernatural or qualifies us to align ourselves for supernatural surprises? Number nine, the art of mastering. The art or the skill to be a master. The art of mastery. The art of mastering. You must have that very particular art. 
How do I know? Let's look at the scripture again. First King 18. I know you are saying this. First King. Yes, we'll stay there. <coughs> First King 18, verse 34 and 35. The Bible says, for Elijah to show that I am not doing this thing by mistake. It was not breakthrough. It is favor. Because Elijah was trying to make them understand, I don't operate on breakthrough. Breakthrough is something that you do. You can't tell how it happens. But favor can be repeated at every point in time. The Bible says, 1 Kings 18, 34 and 35. And he said to them, do it again the second time. And after then, he now said again, do it again the third time. My question to you, that business or that thing that you are trusting God for, if they close your eye and tell you, tell us what this, can you give us without you looking at your book? That's how the act of mastering operates. If they wake you 2 a.m., tell us what is this about this business and how can the solution come? You don't need to run to your computer and open your computer. Can you give an answer 2 a.m. where you are snoring, probably in the dream you are eating rice and chicken and they don't wake you up? Can you? The act of mastery. Many of us in the church, we don't operate this mastery part because we think that it is not important. No, God, just do, just do. My dear, the world are showing us mastery art. And with the church, we use prayer to cover responsibility. You will see a believer, you ask, you ask a Christian, do this thing for me. The Christian will come and give you excuse on the standpoint of prayer and fasting. Who's, did I ask you to fast and pray? I know I'm, I, I didn't ask you. Can you repair the window for me? I didn't ask you whether you pray and fast. The church will use prayer and fasting to negate the place of mastering their craft. Mastering their craft. Mastering their craft. Elijah said, I am not going to just only do it once so that you don't think that it's a lock. I will do it three times so that you understand that I'm a master of pulling supernatural surprises. He understands the place of mastery. Do it the second time. Do it the third time. I know this morning I was praying and I was praying for you all. I know you failed. Go back and do it again. I know they say you can't. Go back and do it again. That is how you gain mastery of that very particular thing. You think that the light that you and I are currently seeing, that was one man's failure for 99 times that give him the answer for 100. But the church, you failed just one. The next minute, you are saying that your village ancestors, they decided to come and visit you. Calm down. You are the one inviting them by what you are saying. The act of mastery. You must master your craft. You must master your craft. There is this very particular product. Many of you, you drink the product, but I bet you, you may not even know the story of the product. It's called 7-Up. That very particular guy, the Bible, I say the Bible, according to history, that he tried to make that very particular mixture. Six times he failed. And on the seventh time he went up. That's how the name 7-Up came up. 7-Up was born from somebody's failure of six times. But yet you go to the shop, you are buying his 7-Up, but yet you are drinking his sixth failure that you didn't know of. The ability to master your product. God is looking for excellent sons and daughters. He's not looking for people who are... Have you forgotten the scripture? He says in a great house, there are many vessels. Vessels of gold and vessels of silver. Vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. He said, but if a man pours himself, he shall be a vessel of honor and he will be ready for the use of it. So even God is looking for masters. He's not looking for chickens. That's why you are shouting, God, use me. And he's saying, but I ask you to go to that course. You're not doing it. You're not qualified yet. Still remain in the great house. But as long as my agenda for earth is concerned, you are, not, you are not one of them. The act of mastery. The act of mastery. You can write down 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. 1 Corinthians 3, 10. 1 Corinthians 3, 10. 
Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14 and 16. Ephesians 5, 14 to 16. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7 to 9. But I'm going to read just Ephesians 5, 14 to 16. He says here, he said, wherefore he said, awake thou that sleepeth. He says, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Which means the only way Christ will give you light is when you are awake. So Christ does not meet you at the place of your comfort zone. He meets you at the place where you are discomforted. And that's where his glory and his light shines. He says, see, he says, see that you walk circumspectly. Which means walk like a master builder. Be a master. He says, not as fool. He says, but as wise. He says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The only way our gospel can be preached moving forward from today, hear me, is going to come on the backdrop of excellence from the body of Christ. It's going to come on the backdrop of we, the church, solving governmental solutions. We, the church, solving the solutions of poverty, the solutions of what you call the problem of these borders across Africa. If the church are not going to pioneer that, I bet you the world is not going to listen to us. They will not listen to us because why? They are busy radiating their own light. What are we doing? Praying and fasting? 100% I like that. But as far as the scorecard is concerned, we are only doing 50%. We must pray, yes. But at the same time, we must come up with solution as an expert to solve the problem. Final point number 10. What must we then do for us to be able to come provoke supernatural surprises in our life? Number 10, there is time to call. Indirectly, your mouth must cooperate with all of the things you have done from number one to number nine. Your mouth must cooperate. It is time to call. It is time to call. How do I know? Quickly, let's read the scripture. The Bible says in 1 Kings 18, verse 36 to 39. Because I want to show you that just because Elijah decided to perform those very particular things. Remember, God asked him to do all. These are the things that guarantee supernatural to happen. But he didn't just do it and kept quiet. The Bible now says in verse 36. And it came to pass at the time of the offerings of the evening. Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember point number two? Engage in covenant. So the guy engaged in covenant with his fathers. There are some of you, your spiritual father is calling your God the covenant that my spiritual father stand upon. I used that to route this thing. He understand the place of covenant. He didn't just say, hi, Elijah. He pulled forces. That guarantees the supernatural supply. He now says, let it be known this day that thou art the God of Israel and I am their servant. He says, look at his next. He says, I have done all these things at thy word. Which means I have built the wood, built my altar, do the revelational part. All the nine points, I have done all these things at thy word. So it is you that said I should do it. Now I've done it. Now he now says, God, hear me, O Lord. He said, this may people may know that thou art the Lord. And that thou had turned their back against them. He says, then the fire fell down from above and landed upon that thing. Because why? He understands that as much as I have finished the product, it is time to talk my talk. I don't know who you are this morning. You are listening to me. You are saying to yourself, Lord, I now know what to do. In the next two, three minutes, I want you to open your mouth where you are and begin to talk your talk. That is a grace this morning. You prayed it. Lord, I'm about to go back again the second time. I'm about to go back again the third time. I am talking my talk. I am mending my wood. I am arranging my part. Open your mouth and begin to pray. Ratos eveneke binakrotas yata. Hamatoke beretes inatoshi. 
Shiata. Ten part has been given to you this morning. The place of repairing your altars. The place of engaging in covenant. The place of building your altars around revelation. Ability for you to understand that in building the business, in building the marriage, it has to be around what you are praying about. Lord, this morning, I open my mouth. Rifanata Prados Ekata. Have for some of you your prayer is lord tonight this morning i'm engaging operational system i'm putting my woods together i'm being disciplined i'm going to be consistent i'm going to create system open your mouth the bible says elijah opened his mouth and says hear me oh lord for somebody open your mouth this morning lord concerning this area hear me oh lord Concerning my finances, hear me, O Lord. Concerning the operational system, hear me, O Lord. Concerning repairing of my altar, I've left my altar for too long. Hear me this morning. Jana pratako sevrita palata. Open your mouth. Don't keep quiet where you are. If it has to be done, some of you, you have performed your sacrifice. You have laid your woods. You have gone with the business plan. You have all your covenant and talk, but you've not started talking. It says for behold, I will do a new thing. He said, I have already begun. He said, it shall spring forth. I will make roads in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Lord, I open my mouth this morning. Every place I'm falling short. Lord, I decree by the mercies of God, repair my shortfalls. Repair my shortfalls. I take responsibility from today. I'm changing my life. I'm changing my path. Now I see that supernatural is guaranteed. The fire can fall. My business can grow. My marriage can make her. The fire can calm down. But Lord, my wood is still shaking. Help me this morning. Lord, help me this morning. Somebody cried this morning to God. Lord, I choose not to be the way I used to be. Lord, I engage grace um, to compel supernatural upon my life. Uh, Lord, grace to engage. Um, grace to engage all of these ten points. Uh, Lord, grace to engage. Grace to engage. Grace to engage. Enough, Grace to engage. Let's push again one more time. Uh, Begin to ask God, God, wisdom, new wisdom that will cause the supernatural to happen. New wisdom, wisdom to know what to do. Not wisdom to just sit down, to know what to do. To know what to do. Lord, for this morning service, I cry for wisdom. I'm tired of this level. I'm tired of this stage. And in my being tired, I choose to be responsible. Lord me with wisdom. Open my eyes to see the wisdom that I have and engage with what I have currently. I know that I have five loaves of bread and two fishes. Lord, give me the insight. Give me the understanding to turn this five loaves to about 2,000. To turn the two fishes to 4,000. Because of my time, I want you to begin to speak. 
Start speaking over your business this morning. And the Bible says, and Elijah speak over the sacrifice that was on top there. And for him, his supernatural he wants to see was to see fire come down. I don't know what you want to see in your mountains of influence. I don't know what you want to see in your business. I give you one minute. Open your mouth and begin to talk. This is how supernatural happened. Lord, I want to see elevation. I want to see platform property. I want to see talk. I want to see luminata. Zipanatos ekrata. Epinatos zikranapanatagalikotazia. Epikranos apanatagalikotazia. Patiata, Legoto Bila Equanas, Abe Ecoto Biranato Iata, Le Ecoto Zipanasa. I speak over the business, I speak over careers. I speak of a family, Negosh Aprata. For some of you, maybe your own is rest. For some of you, is promotion. For some of you, is healing. For some of you, is breakthrough. For some of you, is the stronghold that the enemy have over your life. Lord, this morning, I bring them down by the power that is available in this morning service. I bring them down by the covenant of my father. I bring them down. He Father Lord, this morning we thank you. We appreciate you because indeed you are God of the rested life. Your people, oh Lord, have come again this morning. And Father, some of them will be leaving the service to go and think on this message again. And to see where they are lacking and to engage Lord, because of the time factor, this moment, Lord, we ask, Father, speak to your children out of the service. Let your grace find expression upon their life in the name of Jesus. Lord, we declare that God, every of the pointer that has been mentioned that compel for supernatural surprises. Lord, as your children engage on them, let them be blessed beyond measure. Let the fire that they desire for some of them is a fire of elevation, the fire of relevance, the fire of fruitfulness, the fire of advancement, the fire of marital settlement, the fire of wisdom. Lord, whatever the fire that they need, as they, as they consciously go, Father, Lord, let the grace to do be upon their life in the name of Jesus. Father, Lord, we thank you. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. And God's people say, Amen. Family, quickly, because my time is fast spent, we are going to take our tithe and our offerings. And whatever the Lord has laid in your heart for you to give, remember that one of the covenants of this very particular, as a born again child of God, your ability for you to engage in a covenant of giving, seeding, is a seed. The Bible says in Genesis 8, it makes us to understand for us that earth remaineth, seed time and harvest shall not cease. The banking detail is currently now on the screen. You go cast your offering, your tithe, make sure that you do something. Give to your God. It's also your covenant right and responsibility to do that. It is biblical and it is fundamental for you to do those very particular things. And as you do so, we'll go on this short break. I will come quickly, release. Please don't go. Let me release the blessing for this week for you because I'll only be seeing you again on Sunday. Please don't go. We'll be right back just now after this very particular offering. Welcome to Platform Church, Family of Rest. Platform is a young, dynamic, multidimensional church. We offer inspirational, practical, and relevant teaching that is applicable for your daily living. 
At Platform, our teaching is relevant to people of all ages, race, color, nationality, and of different socioeconomic backgrounds. At Platform Church, we are all about simplifying the process, providing solutions, and creating realities for you. If this message has blessed you and you want to be a blessing by supporting this ministry, please visit platformchurch.co.za. We believe that the rested life is a reality for us. Platform Church, family of rest. Heavenly Father, this morning, O oh Lord Father, I thank you. I appreciate you for everyone that has given, for those of them that are giving sacrificially and those of them that are titers and those of them that give their offering. Father, for every giver, you said, O oh Lord, there is a blessing that men give unto their bosom. Lord, I receive of their offering this moment and I bless their offering in the name of Jesus. Lord, all of their various giving, I declare this morning that their blessings will come upon them all. That the blessing of a titan, the blessing of a giver, the blessing of a sower, I speak this morning as a priest. I declare them all blessed in the name of Jesus. I pray for you today that those of you who are believing God for seed to sow, I declare that your pocket will not lack seed in the name of Jesus. And Father, for those who are crying for bread to eat, Lord, I stand as a prophet on the platform of mercy. Father, show them mercy this morning. Father, show them mercy this morning. Father, show them mercy this morning. In the name of Jesus, as you have honored God with your substance, you have honored God with your giving the fruit of your increase. I declare this morning that you will become first everywhere you go. You'll be confessed everywhere you go. In the name of Jesus, I pray for you this week that as you're about to get into your marketplace this week, the ability to compel supernatural surprises, that grace rests upon you now. In the name of Jesus, I speak concerning your destiny today that every forces of the darkness, every battles of hell that may want to battle you out of life, I inject into your life the spirit of fight in the name of Jesus. I pray for you this morning. For many of you, you are saying you want to finish your race, but you don't know how to start. I declare this morning the wisdom to start your race. Receive it now in the name of Jesus. I pray for you today um, that as you engage in your race, um, engage in your battle, you will keep your faith. Your faith will not go down out of your life. Your faith will not be forgotten on the roadside. The enemy will not snatch your faith. In the name of Jesus, I declare that this week that you are going into, this week is blessed. I speak upon Monday, Monday is blessed. I cover Tuesday with the blood of Jesus. I call for angelic assistance on Wednesday. I call for men to help you on Thursday. I call for supernatural high flight on Friday. And I declare you sit on your enemies on Saturday. In the name of Jesus, I speak upon you that as you show up on Sunday, you will show up with testimonies. You will show up with signs. You will show up with wonders. The surprises that you need to enter into. The supernatural dimension. They find expression in your life. In the name of Jesus. Whatever that has been mocking your life. Whatever that has been insulting your glorious inheritance. I stand as a prophet this morning. I cast that mockery out of your life. In the name of Jesus. Anyone that is appointed to die this week, 
I give you extra 30 years of life. Anyone appointed for sickness, I rebuke the devourer for your sake. In the name of Jesus, I declare for everyone under the sound of my voice, hear me. I just hear God right now. You will see December 31st. You will see December 31st. Sicknesses that kill people. Accident that waste life, demonic incarnate that suck blood, they will never find you in the name of Jesus. I declare that wherever your feet shall tread upon, that you will possess that land. I release grace of possession, grace for possession, possess your land in the name of Jesus. I release from my side a father's blessing upon all the daughters and the sons of this commissioner in the name of Jesus. I bring my sword before you this morning um, that everyone that engaged on the covenant of fatherhood, uh, as you use my sword, uh, it will bring down Goliath for your sake. Uh, it will bring down sickness. Uh, it will bring down poverty. Uh, it will bring down lack. Uh, it will bring down begging and borrowing. Uh, in the name of Jesus, I pray for you this morning that the battles I have won in the realm of the spirit, I give you that victory. Huh? The battles I've won in the realm of the spirit. I release that victory over you. In the name of Jesus. As you knock door this week, the doors will be open for your sake. As you seek, you will find. As you ask, it will be given to you. In the name of Jesus. Upon every one of you this morning, I declare you blessed. I declare you blessed. I declare you blessed. I declare you blessed in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, because I know that this is done. Holy Spirit, take the words and begin to route supernatural works in the life of everyone this morning in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, because I know that this is done. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And God's people say, Amen. That's all we have for today, but be sure to continue listening to the Rested Life Conversations. At Platform Church, we are all about simplifying the process, providing solutions, and creating realities for you. If this message has blessed you and you want to be a blessing by supporting this ministry, please visit platformchurch.co.za. Platform Church, family of rest.